Uh, good afternoon, Mosaic. Am I good? All right. Good afternoon, Mosaic. Good afternoon, Mosaic. All right. Better. Um, please turn your Bibles with me to the book of Revelation. Revelation is the last book in the Bible. Uh, Revelation chapter 7. Um, that'll be page 1093. Revelation chapter 7. Uh, we're going to read verses uh, 9. Uh, let's read from verses 9 through 10. 9 to 10. Just two short verses. Uh, Revelation chapter 7, verses 9 to 10. Again, that Revelation is the last book in the Bible. Um, it's page 1093 in your pew Bibles. After this, I looked, and there was a vast multitude from every nation, tribe, people, language, which no one could number, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, and they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who is seated on the throne, and to the Lamb. The word of the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word, um, your word that brings forth conviction, your word that brings um, light. Um, we ask that you would please grant us at this moment or during this time um, just fresh revelation from your word, this fresh uh, outpouring from your spirit that we would be able to um, live in obedience in accordance to your word. Father, I pray for myself. I ask that you would please uh, use me for your glory. Allow um, the words that come out my mouth, Lord, that they would be truth. And Lord, I pray for the hearts of our hearers and that they would um, they would um, respond in faith in Jesus Christ. And we ask these things in your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I feel like my, my mic is sound weird. Should I just... Am I, am I good? Yeah? You good? All right. Um... One of, the, one of the things that I know that a lot, of, uh, uh, a lot of us, whenever we have conversations with our unbelieving friends, uh, one of the things that come up, one of the, one of the conversations that come up, no doubt, is um, the issue of uh, Christians not being modern enough. Um, Christians needing to, um, you know, the Bible needs to be updated, basically. Um, and... Usually it's related to um, current issues, hot topic issues, such as gay marriage. Um, and one of the things people say, hey, look, the Bible was written in during this time, during that time when people were facing this situation. And um, basically, we need to you know, upgrade, we need to think, you know, what, what is God saying to us today rather than uh, before? And, you know, that, that position is problematic because we know that we believe in a God who is eternal, a God who doesn't change his mind, a God who says what is A is A, what's B is B. And another thing that I've considered is um, the Bible has always, it, one of the things that people say is, they, they would say something like, the Bible was always used to justify things such as racism, right? Have you ever heard of that? Right? The Bible was used to justify things such as racism. Um, I see, you know, a lot 
probably people probably smiling our heads, yes. Uh, but if you really look at the Bible, if any serious reader of the Bible would know that if anybody were to use the Bible to justify racism, then they're completely mishandling God's word. Okay? Like, if anyone would ever use God's word to justify something like racism, they would completely, either they were completely ignorant of the Bible, or they completely, like, on purpose, they twisted God's word to fit their own agenda. I'm going to read a few passages for you, just so that you can see that from the beginning, right, from the beginning, God's word had a lot of um, things to say about um, race. Um, if you look at Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 19, you could, um, if you, uh, you could turn there if you want, if you can just, or you can just hear along. Um, Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 19, it says, so show your love for the alien, right? An alien is not some space creature, right? An alien is someone who is foreign, a foreigner, right? Someone who doesn't live in your land. Show love for the alien, for you were aliens in the land of Egypt yourself. Okay, that's Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 19. Um, verse Leviticus chapter 19, verse 34. If you want to just write this down, jot this down, and then later on you can refer back to it. Leviticus chapter 19, verse 34. It says, the stranger who resides with you, the stranger meaning the alien or the foreigner, um, the, the stranger who resides with you shall be to you as the native among you. So treat that person who is a foreigner as if he's your own, Right? As if he's your own blood, as if he's your own race. You follow? He says, and you shall love him as yourself, for you were aliens in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. He, which, what he's saying here is that this foreigner, this person that's from another country, treat him as you would yourself. Love that person as you would love yourself. Exodus chapter 12, verse 48. It says, foreigners could partake in the feast. Now, basically, it, it, it talks about how foreigners could partake in the feast. It says, if a stranger sojourns with you and celebrates the Passover to the Lord, let all his males be circumcised and then let him come near to celebrate it. And he shall be like a native of the land. Okay. Um, psalm 86 verse 9. Um, the psalmist is celebrating the nations. It's not, the psalmist is not just celebrating his people. Okay. The psalmist is not just saying... God, I love all my Israelite, all my Israelite brothers. Psalm 86, verse 9, it says, All the nations, right, you have made shall come and worship before you. You see that? It says, All the nations shall come before you, O Lord, and they shall glorify your name. Um, and there's so many passages, passages upon passages upon passages. That shows that God is a God of the nations. God is not just a God who just likes one particular race and excludes the other. And all of these passages were found in the Old Testament. Passages that were written in the timeline B.C. You see, I didn't even touch the New Testament passages to prove that the Bible that we read shows a God who favors all race. He doesn't have partiality for, towards one race over the other. Um, so, and guess what? This Bible was written thousands of years ago, right? Just imagine that. The people who would 
use um, the Bible to justify racism. They would use that Bible, that same Bible that spoke of those passages that we need to treat sojourners as we would ourselves. You see, these the, uh, the, the people that would always use the Bible to justify their racist deeds, they would do so on no basis, at least no scriptural basis. Do you follow? So the Bible has always has always taught that God, um, that we ought to treat one another, no matter what our ethnic background is, we ought to treat one another um, with love and respect. Our passage today is found in the book of Revelation. Um, book of Revelation, we already um, read the passage. And I just want to say a few things, just, just a couple things about um, this particular book, Revelation. How many people have read Revelation before? You know, not in its entirety necessarily, but just read a little, at least parts of it. Okay, so a few, a few of us. Um, so many of you would know, and if you haven't read Revelation, um, you would know that um, Revelation is a different kind of book. It's not the same as, uh, say, Galatians or Peter. Revelation is a kind of literature. Um, the, the book of Revelation is written as a kind of literature called apocalyptic literature. Now, there are different kinds of genres, right? There's poetry. Um, we could think of the Psalms. The Psalms is poetic, right? We could think of letters, right? Um, we could think of Galatians or Ephesians, Philippians. Those are letters written to a particular church. Um, some of them are stories. We studied uh, through Genesis, right, um, of the story of Abraham. There's different kinds of genres in the Bible, and this particular kind of genre is a particular kind of genre called apocalyptic literature. Now, many of us have never heard of that word before in our lives, and there's a reason why we haven't heard of it, because there's no such thing as apocalyptic literature today, at least in terms of, for, um, um, I mean, maybe there's apocalyptic literature going around um, in particular uh, in other countries, but I don't know of any um, kind of writing today. Like you don't pick up a, a book, the new apocalyptic book, um, and you read it, read um, those kinds of things. But Revelation, um, apocalyptic literature basically, um, it will have a lot of symbolism in, in it. Okay, you'll see, and I saw the three horns, and I saw, and I saw three heads, and all of these different kinds of um, imagery and they're always there to represent something else, right? And so not all of it, you're going to see it like that, but a lot of it, you'll see just different things. And you're like, wait, how do I interpret this? Um, and also apocalyptic literature always, you'll find that it looks towards the future. Okay, you follow? Apocalyptic literature looks towards the what? Future, future, good. Um, so when John is writing this, Right? He's writing this, um, he's writing his, what he's seeing. He's seeing a vision. God is showing him something. He is seeing something. And, and what happens is he's transported to heaven. And he's able to see, he's able to get a glimpse of the future, even our future. Not just John's future, but even our future. He fast forwards all the way to the end of time. And he's able to see what heaven is going to look like. When we all reach heaven what it's going to look like. And so, if you ever wondered what your future looks like, wonder no more. This passage tells us exactly what we are to expect when we reach heaven. 
And so I'm going to read just uh, verse 9 with you again. Uh, Revelation chapter 7, verse 9. And I just want you to picture, this is John looking in the future. Okay, and let's see what he sees. And let's see how we can explore this passage for us today. It says, after this, I looked and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hand. Let's begin. It says, after this, I look. He says, after this, I look. This is John looking. Again, he's looking around in heaven. He says, after this, I look. At that point, at this point, John is able to clearly see what heaven looks like. I looked, and it says, my version says, and behold, behold. Behold is a word that, behold is a word where something catches your attention. Does that make sense? He, as he's looking around in heaven, something grabs his attention and he says, behold. And he says, a great multitude that no one could count. What John saw was a massive crowd. It was a sea of people that no one could count. Now you can imagine millions upon millions upon millions upon millions of people that John sees. And Christians, if you are a believer, then John sees you too. Because this is the future, right? And if this is the future and you're a believer, then you are in the crowd too. John sees us in this crowd. We are believers. We're definitely there in the midst of the sea of people. But when he looks at the myriad of people there, he notices that in the crowd that people look different from one another. That not everyone looks the same, and he wants to put emphasis on that. Now look at this. Look at what John says. In order to put emphasis on this, he uses pretty much the same word in four different ways. He uses four, I'm sorry, he uses the four different words to communicate the same thing. He uses four different words to communicate the same thing. He says, he saw, he sees people from every nation. That's one word. What's the second one? He says all tribes, that's two, all peoples and languages. See? All of those words are communicating the same thing. All of those words are, are there to communicate how multi-ethnic heaven is or heaven will be. Now, there's a, probably a reason why he does that. There's probably a reason why he uses it. He, 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 he could have just easily have said nation and leave it at that or say tribe and leave it at that. But he said nation, tribe, people, language. He does it to highlight and underscore that heaven will be dominated by no single race. He wants to put emphasis on this truth. He does not want us to miss this point. Every nation People from Russia, people from Haiti, people from Jamaica, Trinidad, Mexico, Italy, Thailand, America, Japan. Every nation is represented there. He's looking around. And there are people from every nation, 
and every tribe, all people groups, and every language, which means in heaven, we might even maintain our languages. If you speak English, maybe you'll continue to speak English in heaven. In Spanish, then you'll continue to speak Spanish in heaven. I don't know. It's possible. It's possible to infer that from this passage. I don't, we don't know, but I think the main point is that God does not look to the people who speak only one particular language. Most of us believe that God's first language is English. But it's not. God is a God who looks to all people that speak all languages. And all of those people will be in heaven. That's a beautiful thing, how the gospel reaches people. That people who speak languages that you and I don't know, they understand that all it takes is to have faith in Jesus Christ, in their language, in their dialect. They understand that all it takes is to believe in Jesus Christ and they trust in that and they make it to heaven along with you. Imagine that. People from all tribes, they come in a way where they, they're just, they, all they have to do is believe in this Lord Jesus Christ. They don't have to understand English. They don't have to understand um, um, the gospel in the way in which we understand it. All they do is they understand this language in their particular, this, this gospel in their particular language. They believe, and guess what? We're going to meet with them. That is a beautiful thing. That's a beautiful thing. I love that. Now this, when, when it says all language, all nations, all tribal tongues, this doesn't mean that everyone makes it to heaven. Just because John has the vision and he sees every nation, it doesn't mean that every single person in these nations reached there. Revelation 20.15 says that there are those that will be thrown in the lake of fire. This is not metaphorical. There are people that are not going to make it to heaven. So, this doesn't mean everyone. This doesn't mean everyone. But, this is the picture that we get from heaven, of heaven. And while it is possible for us to go on and on and on in explaining this passage, what I want to do for us today is I want to just spend some time thinking through how can we apply this passage to us? What significance does that have for us today? Should it be just that we um, long to be in heaven to see this become a reality? I think that's you know one application, one way to look at it. But I think there are other ways in which we could look at this passage. Let's bring this home. Um, I want to first ask the question, how did all of these people reach there? How did all of these people reach there? See, Isaiah is cold. Um, how did all these people reach there? If you remember in our series of Abraham, our Abraham series, God promised Abraham what? What, did, what was one of the things that God promised Abraham? That he would be the father of Yes, many nations, right? All nations. And it really just occurred to me just the other day, I believe it was probably yesterday, it just occurred to me, that God didn't just say, God didn't tell Abraham, 
I'm going to make you the father of one nation. He didn't tell Abraham, I'm going to make you the father of Israel. He says, I'm going to make you the father of many nations. And so Abraham, you know, and eventually down his line came David and down his line came um, Jesus. And Jesus told his disciples, what? Go spread the world word to all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so that the people from the outside, the Gentiles, are now grafted in to this family, what we find in the book of Romans. So this is how we find all these nations in heaven. This is why we see so many people from different nations in heaven. And so it is incumbent upon us, friends, for us to spread this gospel and that we do not discriminate in our gospel spreading. That we don't look at only people that look like us to spread the gospel to. That we take this command, go and preach the gospel to all nations, that we go truly to all nations. And that we pray for those missionaries that we send overseas that go to particular people groups where those people groups have no access to the gospel. When we start praying ourselves, God, would you have me to go overseas? Or even, it doesn't have to be overseas. It could be even here in your hometown. Is there a particular people group that you feel is unreached right now? And you can be praying to that end. God's concern has always been the nations. Now, I want us to consider a passage, too, and as it relates to this particular passage. I'm going to connect a passage to this passage that we read today. Matthew chapter 6, verse 10. You don't have to read along with me. I'm just going to read it. And I want you to think of how this passage might relate to what we've studied today. Matthew chapter 6, verse 10 says, Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. You follow? Jesus tells us to pray, Lord, may your kingdom come and may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What this passage is saying is that the same way that Christ is honored in heaven, the same way that Jesus is worshipped in heaven, we want to see this same thing mirrored on earth. Follow? The same picture that we see in heaven, we want to work hard and we want to pray hard to see it realized on this earth. So particularly as we see these different nations in heaven. Let's pray, oh God, may it be so on earth as it is in heaven. Oh Lord, may it be so that we see your kingdom realized in this particular way on earth as it is in heaven, in New York City as it is in heaven, in Crown Heights as it is in heaven. 
Now, I want to avoid a danger here. I'm not at all suggesting that all nations should be represented here in, at Mosaic. That's not what I'm saying. It's not going to happen, fortunately. However, we can pray to God that the nations and the cultures represented in Crown Heights or the diversity that we see here at Mosaic could be a ref reflection of the diversity in Crown Heights. Does that make sense? The diversity that we see over here at Mosaic, it could be a reflection of the diversity that we have in Crown Heights. And on this point, I do want to give praise to God. I, I want to give praise to God for his grace in that we have seen many people from different cultures come through this door, right? None of, I, I mean, I'm just looking around us. I mean, wow. We are representing different cultures over here. We have people from different continents, just people from all over. And so we want to give praise to God for that. Not every point um, deserves a rebuke or not every point deserves an admonition, right? Sometimes we just got to just sit and say, hey, God, thank you for what has already been done, done in us here at Mosaic. Amen? There are many people, many churches, many um, people that have um, even expressed to me they, that they want their church to represent their block more, um, their community more. And they, they can't, they're trying to figure out how to do it. And so I want to give praise to God for his grace in allowing us to see somewhat of that. But I do want to challenge us. I do want to challenge us on something. Crown Heights is home to one of the largest population of Jewish people. Okay? Crown Heights is, pop, is home to one of the largest populations of Jewish people. And if you look around us, I don't think anyone here is Jewish. And so I want us to be asking ourselves this question. Are you satisfied with the diversity that you see here at Mosaic? Don't you long to see your Jewish neighbors reached with the gospel? And as I was thinking through this, I mean, initially when I was writing the sermon, as I was preparing the sermon, I wasn't thinking about particularly about Jewish people. And honestly, to my shame. But as I was thinking about this passage and how it relates to us particularly, my friends, how are we doing in this respect? How are we doing in this part? Are we actively thinking of ways in which we can reach our Jewish neighbors? Are we actively figuring out ways in which we can um, study the culture and understand them and try our, our, our best to reach them? I understand it's difficult. I'm not saying it's not. I understand it's difficult. And for me, maybe I'm going to you know, ask Dan some questions. He understands the culture a lot better than I do. I mean, but we could use, utilize our resources. We could try to figure out ways in which we can um, bump heads together. We could, we could, we could um, put our heads together so we could think of ways, particular ways, where we can bless our Jewish neighbors and reach them with the gospel. And I do wonder, 
when we think about and talk about racial reconciliation, because that's what we, I was assigned to talk about today, and as we think about racial reconciliation, I wonder how many of us, the first thing that came up to our mind was, oh, I want to reach Jewish people. Rather, the first thing usually in our minds is ourselves. We usually think, if I'm black, I usually think, oh man, I need to think about racial reconciliation as it relates to black people and white people, you know? You, 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 you usually tend to have a way in which we think of ourselves. Sometimes we don't look at the bigger picture. We don't look at everyone. And so, I want us to consider that. I want us to put that as more of a priority on our lips in terms of outreach. Again, like, I know it's difficult. I know that at times, um, you know, you want to try to do it, but you don't know what's, what's um, socially acceptable, you don't know what's not. But I, I feel like there's, there are ways in which we can come together, put our heads together, put our heads together in the context of the missional family. Um, when we meet together, we could think, like, how could we do this? How could we, um, how could we think through how we can reach our Jewish neighbors? Number two, another thing that we can consider, let's be concerned and ask questions to one another on how to better love each other and how to be better and how to better be sensitive to each other's culture. Now, this passage has nothing to do with being sensitive to each other's culture, I know. However, whenever until we reach heaven, there's always gonna be cultural clashes, right? There's always going to be something that I do that's culturally insensitive towards you. And the loving thing to do sometimes is to tell me, hey, Willie, that was very culturally um, insensitive. Or I can actively ask you, hey, is this insensitive? I, I, I'm not, maybe I'm not thinking about this particular issue correctly. Can you help me? Can you help me understand one of the um, unique ways in which mosaic in which we can grow and mosaic one of the unique benefits that we have at mosaic is this is that we can actually go to one another right we're brothers and sisters we can actually go to one another and we can ask each other questions and i don't think any of us would be offended at questions so we can ask each other questions and say hey look how can i better be sensitive towards your particular um, culture. And then I want to talk a little bit about the basis of our unity because if we talk about racial reconciliation and we talk about reconciliation period, um, I don't think it's appropriate to talk about reconciliation on a horizontal on a horizontal level without talking about relationship on a vertical level. If you look at the passage on, at, on verse 9, right, he talks about, he looks and he sees there's a vast multitude from every nation, tribe, tongue, language, which no one could number standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were clothed in white robes. You see, what he sees that unifies all of them together, so he sees that there are a diversity of people, right? He sees that there are black people over here, mixed in with 
um, mixed it with white people, mixed with Asians and Hispanics, and you see everyone together, but she says that, but all of them had the same kind of clothing, okay? All of them had the same kind of clothing, and what color was their clothes? Their clothes, she says she sees them all in white clothing, so even though that they were diverse, even though there's diversity, there's also unity. You follow? Even though there was diversity, there was also unity. They all had this white robe on, this white robe representing cleansing, representing unclean, representing they have been washed, right? Representing they have been washed. Only in one way that they've been washed, and that's washed through the blood of Jesus Christ. So the thing that we all have in common as Christians is that we've all been washed by that white robe, right? We've all been washed by Jesus' blood. And we're all clothed in that white robe, friends. We all have that unity. And so if you are here today and you're like, man, I want to grow in unity, and I'm asking you, look, the basis of our unity is in Jesus Christ. The basis of our unity is what Jesus Christ has done for us. All other unity, friends, is superficial. All other unity will only fall short. And so I'm asking you, if you're here today, and you've not yet trusted in Jesus Christ, I want you to trust in him. I want you to come to a place where you realize that if you go before God one day, on the day of judgment, what would it be like if your garments are stained with all your sins, all of the sins that you've committed from birth until now? What would it look like if your garments were stained? Wouldn't you want your sins to be washed away? Then if you want that to be a reality, my friend, you need to trust in Jesus Christ, your only Savior. That is the basis of our unity. Okay? And so, implication implications. When we are reaching people, when we are trying to seek reconciliation and we're trying to um, bridge the gap between, um, let's just say even um, how, how many say, can you say, um, uh, even uh, we, we're seeing a drift in the community between the trust of the community and police officers and we're seeing just different things. And, and, and I, I want you to remind yourself of the gospel message that the thing the one thing that can bring people together is that gospel message and that's the most important thing because what's most important for people is that they would have a right relationship with God is that they would have a healthy relationship with God and then friends that will naturally flow with a healthy relationship with one another Tomorrow, um, many of us are going to be off from work, and we're going to be celebrating uh, Martin Luther King today. Oh, I thought they had something Martin Luther King related. I'm sorry. Um, we're all going to be celebrating that, and I and I just I'm reminded of sometimes I would look at Dr. King's some of his quotes, and they'll be I'll be inspired, and I'm looking at them, and I'm like, wow. And I want us to. While we can praise God for the progress that we've seen and while we can praise God for just the graces that we have here at Mosaic, I want us to continue advancing 
this dream. Not Martin Luther King Jr., no, but this vision that John has. This vision of heaven. I want us to continue advancing this gospel so that anyone who comes in this place will get a sense of this kind of heaven, what this, this taste of what heaven will look like. And let's not just do it, but let's do it in unity. Let's do it with one another. Let's ask each other questions and see how we can continually build one another up. Let's pray.